going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. We're going to need a bigger boat. And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your one and only Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys by the fans. That's us. us. Thank you, Paul. Look at you jumping in there. Love it. Uh, As always, intro and outro music provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over at oceansoverairplanes.com. Didn't they just drop a new video? They did drop a new video, yes. So that's probably on oceansoverairplanes.com. Look, they got two plugs this episode. Lucky, lucky them. Fantastic. Anyway, off music, on to the suns. There has been quite a bit of activity since the last time we were with you all when we recapped the draft and the suns selection of DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. 30 seconds in. Good job, Yeah, Justin. but we're, I think we're allowed to now. He's officially Yeah, I guess son. so. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep track of it forever, though. This is never going to change. So free agency opened. The Suns signed Trevor Ariza to a one-year, $15 million deal. That, of course, ended up leading to the release of fan favorite Alan Williams. Uh, the Suns, in addition to releasing Williams, this actually happened before, released Brandon, excuse me, hmm, wishful Brand- thinking, I don't know, <laughs> released Tyler Ulis. Uh, which reportedly, there we've yeah, got exactly, we've got all of them. So, uh, which reportedly, as you all know, drew the ire of Devin Booker. But all seems to be copacetic in the Suns universe now because reports are currently saying that Booker's expected to sign that max contract extension by hopefully this Friday. It's kind of hard to turn down 158 million dollars. I know I couldn't do it. N- no. The the Devin Booker extension, if it happens this Friday, that of course will coincide with the first day of summer league for the Suns. So I guess all of us Suns fans, mm-hmm. including Paul and myself, that are going to be up there in Vegas watching the games this weekend, per- can perhaps celebrate together, celebrate this uh, re-signing of everybody's favorite Phoenix Sun. Well, if I were Devin Booker, I would be out at summer league taking out my whole team as a celebration of my new contract because you know all of them are just hoping to. G- Make a team, make the team. So, use your millions of dollars to buy a nice dinner out in Vegas for the entire trip. I feel like, <laughs> as a matter of fact, he could probably take the team and all Suns fans who came up there to watch Summer League. M- maybe, out to maybe dinner. he can uh, show up at the still at nine p.m. on Friday night and cover our tab. In case you're wondering what Paul's mm-hmm. talking about, Paul, go ahead. So, um, Dave King, our uh, fearless leader over at Brightside and I were talking today and we noticed that there are a lot of Suns fans that have been talking about being out of Summer League this year so we thought it'd be really cool to kind of get all of us together um, while we're out there just actually meet each other face to face have a couple beers a couple of apple teenies if that's your jam um, some good food some good conversation just hang out in Vegas together so um, we, uh, we set up a little, uh, space over at the still, which is in the Mirage. Um, and we'll be, uh, our reservation set up for 9 PM. So feel free to swing by and, uh, come hang out and meet other Suns fans. Isn't the game at 630? Yeah. We figured 630 to 830 and then time to get there. Some people may want to go back, change. They may have been sitting in that arena all day they may not want to be near them sure. if they haven't showered first I, I was more thinking you should have provided more time but hey i'm not i'm not the party <laughs> planner like you and dave king are so uh, anyway yeah absolutely if you guys are out there come out join us at the still it'll be a good time uh, it's always fun when suns fans get together so 
Let's hop into it, Paul. Yes, yes, do this. Let's start off here. The first thing that I discussed or I mentioned in the, that little mini rundown at the beginning there was the signing of Trevor Ariza. Uh, Paul, I want to get your thoughts on this because I shared my thoughts and maybe people out there have already heard it. I'll probably say them again anyway, but I'd like to let you jump in here first because when I was on solar panel earlier this week, I already delved into what I thought about Trevor Ariza. So, Paul, your thoughts on the Trevor Ariza signing? Um... At the time, I mean, obviously, it was kind of a surprising signing. I mean, I know he was a a name that was on some uh, writers and fans' lists of potential free agents. Um, but being that that's really been the only addition move that's an addition to the Suns, it's it was kind of a little surprising because really he's played a small forward most of his career, and that's not really a hole the Suns have right now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, with the way the NBA is going, um, we're playing a lot of people. A lot of teams are playing smaller lineups. You know, you always talk about you can't have enough wings. That's just it's the way things are going, which is kind of funny because you see um, Nate Duncan, who has been championing this change in the NBA mm-hmm. of like going more and more wings, not being a huge fan of the Suns' move to sign Ariza when. It's just doing what he said that everybody should be doing, which is accumulating wings. But anyways, Ariza's on the taller side of small forwards and has played a significant amount of time at the power forward slot throughout his career. So I don't see it as a bad move. I think it's I think it works well. He's a shooter, which is something the Suns desperately need. And I mean, really, for the other options that are out there at power forward, none of them are really shooters. Or even if they are shooters, they don't provide defense, which is the other thing that Ariza can provide. So you're looking at, we've got now got Bridges, Jackson, and Ariza all at that wing, like can shift anywhere between small forward and power forward spots. So we've got guys who can fill that from a defensive and offensive capability to help cover for Booker, help cover for Aiton a little bit, and also spread the floor for both those guys so they can operate. So from that standpoint, I think it's a really good signing. The money seems kind of high, but I kind of look at it from the standpoint, it's kind of like that J.J. Reddick contract that was that Philly signed last year. Throw a ton of money at a guy, get him for one year, he's off the books the next year. And I mean, that. so you can kind of get back out there. Worst case scenario, you don't really hit on anything else. You re-sign the guy like the Sixers did with J.J. Reddick. They brought him back again, and I don't think it's at 25 mil again. But... You can bring him back at a different, little more reasonable deal. Guys, another year older. Um, but at best case scenario, it's fifteen million dollars that'll come off the cap that you can use to bring in a guy who is actually a significantly better. Right, and and could potentially be a, a long term piece. And I think when it comes to this deal, one of the key points is the fact one of the things that makes it uh, palpable for Suns fans is that. It is a one-year deal, so he's really not going to affect the Suns long-term when it comes to the financial aspect of things. The, he's not going to affect the cap negatively next year. They have they want to bring him back, they can. If not, then so be it. Uh, that gives them the flexibility while bringing in a guy who is is obviously serviceable. Like you said, he can slide into the four. Uh, I had mentioned the other day when I was on Solar Panel, Last year, he had only played 5%. Tim Tompkins had pointed that out. He only played 5% of the time at Power 4, but the year before that, he was at 21%, and the year before that, 
he was at 41%. So it's not as if they're bringing in a guy who we're saying can play power forward but doesn't have the experience doing so. He does have that experience. I think the floor spacing is also another really important thing uh, because he's he's an excellent shooter from the corner three. Uh, last season, he shot right around 45% from, uh, from the corner. So in, in terms of a guy who can basically play some defense, spot up in the corner, and wait for that ball to come to him and knock down threes. I think it's it's a great fit. And he doesn't need the ball in his hands either. His usage rate last year was only 14.4%. So obviously he's going to be able to bring something to this team without having to necessarily have the ball in his hands and take that ball control away from guys like Devin Booker, like Josh Jackson. Uh, and he doesn't need to be the focal point of the offense, but at the same time can still contribute. The The, the big thing that I think is very advantageous about this move as well is is his is his background you know he has a championship pedigree he has a ring he won a ring when he was at the Lakers back in the late 2000s um, and he's obviously coming from the Rockets who have been a very successful organization as of late and I think he can bring some very solid tutelage if you will to some of these young guys that we have I mean you look at Mikhail Bridges who's he, actually specifically said that he tries to model his game after Ariza so who better to learn the intricacies of that than directly from the source? Right, exactly. And Bridges comes into the league as somebody who projects to be a 3 and D type guy. That's what Ariza, while he wasn't like that coming into the league, he has developed into that over his career. Uh, so again, he's certainly going to be able to provide him with some insight uh, into becoming that type of player, how to succeed as that type of player in the NBA, while at the same time, still contributing significantly, I think, to to the team. So all in all, the biggest complaint I heard was what you kind of led in with, and that is why you're getting another wing. Uh, but again, it gives them flexibility, and that's assuming that they keep all the wings that they have. And I, I think it you know makes T.J. Warren somewhat expendable at this point because when you're looking at the, the mold of those wing players that they have, one thing that they all have in common is the ability to shoot the three, and Josh Jackson, obviously, maybe <laughs> his percentages aren't indicating that. Uh, I will stand by what I said before he was drafted, and his shot's going to eventually be fine. Uh, but at the same time, he's also not necessarily a three-point guy. He's more of a slasher. So when you look at Mikhail Bridges, um, he's obviously an excellent three-point shooter, and they're setting up an offense where they're going to have that spread of the floor, where Booker is going to have room to operate where Aiton's going to have room to operate down low and, and you have guys that can spot up and hit the three on the outside. So based on what it looks like they're trying to develop, it certainly certainly made sense. And you had mentioned that it was kind of a surprise. I would like to point out, Paul, that when we had our We Play GM episode, that was the first guy that I signed was Trevor Ariza. So I'm just going to throw that out there so we'll add that to my list on top of of prognostications of prognostications on top of predicting the last two sun's draft picks about seven months before they happened not gonna lie i'm surprised i got that word out correctly that was the first draft <laughs> that was well done i'm very very proud of you so any other thoughts on ariza not really i think i think we've hit on most of the points associated with him i'm i'll be interested to see um once training camp and preseason roll around, how Igor actually plans on using him. I mean, it, does he start at the four? Does he start at the three? Like, what what are we looking at from that standpoint? I can't. I he has to start at the four because I mean, at this point, 
we have too many other guys who can start at the three that we can't that fit there better than they do at the four. And assuming he's a starter. That's what I was just going to say. Do you think he's going to start? I think so. I mean, unless you're going to start Chris or Bender, and neither of those guys have really taken a leap yet to really warrant starters minutes, or you're going to do something, you're going to elevate. Well, there's, I mean, there's obviously a couple options, you know, assuming Warren's still around. There's the argument to be made to try to start Warren and Jackson together. I think Jackson's played well enough that he's earned starters, earned being a starter. Um, there's a possibility that with Mikhail Bridges being an older rookie, a more polished rookie, he comes in, he fills that role, he can, he can start, but, I mean, he may be coming off the bench. I can't see that immediately because he's a rookie, he kind of got to earn the time, but... There's a lot of options there at that 3-4 spot of what they can do, but, I mean, you're paying the guy $15 million a year. I mean, probably is his spot to lose. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, I while he can play the 4, I don't see him as a guy that's going to start at the 4. I, frankly, would think that he might end up being the first guy off the bench. And while I won't necessarily disagree with you in that neither Chris nor Bender have actually earned starters minutes I I think that one of those guys will probably Chris is going to start assuming he's around because with him not playing in summer league and Dragon Bender playing in summer league them obviously being out of the same draft class them both having to develop their game it it raises a little bit of a question as to why Chris isn't going to be there and the Suns came out and said they prefer that he stays in his in, in Washington I believe he is having a pretty you know um, intense intense intensive regimen going on up there but it, it seems to me like no matter how intensive that regimen might be he would be better suited playing unless they're trying to move him and concerned about him getting hurt in summer league or something like that right uh, again just all supposition there of course a lot, lot of supposition yeah but it just it, it definitely raises a flag when you've got two guys both picked in the top 10 in the same draft one of whom's playing in summer league this year and one of whom one of whom is not and while chris came along towards the latter part of the year the beginning of the year was none too pleasant well and at the same time maybe they saw how disinterested he was in summer league last year and <laughs> just thought it's probably a waste of time and, and but to be honest i mean really it's honestly more so not a great sign that your third year player is playing summer league usually by that point third year guys aren't unless they really need some development. So you can look at it as a good sign that the Suns think, okay, Chris has gotten what he can get out of Summer League. He's progressed at least there, whereas Bender still has a ways to go and can use that seasoning, particularly because from from what I understand about Kokoskov and how he wants to um, run the offense, Bender's skill set fits into that really well. Mm -hmm. So... Whereas Chris can, what he does is a little more simplified and can kind of just slide in there. Whereas Bender's a little bit more nuanced. He may want just more time, like game action time to get him incorporated and involved in that. And plus, you know, and whatnot, particularly to um, play off of Aiton and even Jackson and how that fits in. So just a thought. To like to spin it positive because we are the podcast of optimism. I was just going to say that I am incredibly proud of you. That's twice in this episode already. I've been proud of you. 
because you suddenly right there, 180 degrees, you become the optimistic one. I love it, Paul. Mm-hmm. Look at that. I'm rubbing off on it's you. It's that even time more. of year. It is that, yeah, it's true. It's this couple of months where I can be optimistic. If, if there's ever a time of year for NBA fans to be optimistic, it is it is right now. That is that is accurate. We'll Unless, see what it looks like next Friday. Right. <laughs> I, I bet you'll still be optimistic. That's I bet my, I that's will. That's my guess. So, and, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the episode, the Trevor Ariza signing ultimately led to Alan Williams being released. They had to get that extra space in order to sign Ariza. Uh, both sides have basically kept it open and said, yeah, we're interested. Suns are saying they're interested in bringing him back on a different deal. Alan Williams, I believe, has said that he'd be interested in coming back. I saw a report that the Knicks were interested in him as well. Uh, I don't know. I didn't read it. I just saw the headline. Well, I mean, good on him. I mean, he went from a guy who, like, was scratching the surface of the league just on on G League teams and whatnot to, you know— actually having competition for him as a player. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, the biggest cons- the biggest fear when you go into a situation like that, when you get cut, is nobody else wants you, and then you're out of the league. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, at least he's getting interest. I'm, I mean, I'm hoping that his connection to Phoenix, he un- and that he understands the situation. And, I mean, when you walk into... When you sign a contract where only the first year is guaranteed, you kind of got to... There's a business aspect to it. I mean, yeah, yeah. it sucks... Hopefully he was, I think he was raised well enough that he didn't plan to have that other $6 million in the bank. <laughs> it's more of like a bonus. Um, but I mean, even still, you know, once we get everything all figured out, you know, we've got that room exception there. Right. That Suns could sign him to another one-year deal on that. That could be, make up a chunk of it. Right. And I think it would be smart to do so if, if that's an opportunity that arises, then I think it makes a ton of sense for both sides. And obviously he was released because once they drafted Aiton, he gets relegated to basically third string center behind Aiton and Chandler. But with Chandler being up there in age and there being a real possibility that he's not going to be available every single game to play that backup role to DeAndre Aiton, it certainly makes sense to have a third center on on that on the team especially one who's as good of a cheerleader as he is right exactly if anything and locker room guy if, if anything bringing the joy that the sun the suns fans receive from just watching alan williams on the bench is is worth the price of admission and worth the uh, salary for a year for the suns to uh to take on and, and 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 i agree with you too in terms of williams having a good head on his shoulders i mean all no reports have come out that have said he's he has any bad blood towards the Suns for the release or anything like that. So I think it's definitely a possibility, and if the opportunity arises, I think both sides would jump on it. Yeah, I mean, it's an unfortunate scenario in that he got he got that contract last year, and then he proceeded to like immediately get hurt and basically missed the entirety of the season. If he had played the whole season and actually produced, produced and proved that that contract was worth the signing... I don't see that they would have cut him, but unfortunately, due to some bad injury luck, he only played five games last season. So it's when you're in that kind of situation, you can't really say justify like this. This guy's worth six million dollars, especially in such a tight market as it is right now. When you have the ability to free up that that much cash, when you can get a player 
significantly better for not much more money just because nobody has cash. Right. No, it makes perfect sense. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens with Alan Williams. I think most of the Suns fans out there hope that he finds his way back here to Phoenix, but time will tell. So I, I had mentioned that there was no bad blood there, but speaking of bad blood, and if I if we had the licensing rights, I'd drop in a little like Taylor Swift drop right here, <laughs> but we can't. Um, uh, Tyler Eulis was released. Shortly thereafter, reports started to surface that Devin Booker was upset with the lack of communication between him and the Suns, or from the Suns to him, uh, regarding the release. And, you know, I look at it, I think in a vacuum, it's probably a moot point because it seems like by this Friday, Booker is going to sign that extension. He's going to be with us for the foreseeable future, so no loss. But, in your opinion, Paul, and I'll ask you this question here, this lack of communication and having a report come out about yet another Phoenix Suns player being unhappy with the organization and the way they handled something, do you think it's reflective of a bigger issue within the Suns organization itself, namely the repeated instances of this player unhappiness and oftentimes it arising out of a lack of communication from the front office? I mean, it definitely is cause for concern. I mean, one thing I do want to bring up, particularly in this situation, is when McDonough said that they wanted to have Booker had earned the right to be part of these types of team-building conversations, he specifically said that was more in relation to draft picks and free agent signings and specifically called out not related to trades. And, I mean, that essentially probably means releases too because they're these are... You know, they're teammates. They're, there's relationships there that can cause too many issues, and they want to avoid Booker having issues with that. So, because, I mean, you know, let, let's think about it here. Let's say, okay, Booker was involved in that. He fights to keep Euless in play. That means somebody else probably has to go. People who are friends with that person now are pissed at Booker because his and and Ulysses because his buddy got to stay but their buddy bounced who's actually possibly a better player just so this the Suns could free up the money they needed to free up I mean that's just a potentiality of an example but even still I mean this has been an issue in that the Suns really don't truly know how to cater to star players well, we haven't had one in a while, so... This is true. <laughs> and yeah, this is very, very true. And, I mean, even our previous star player was kind of was Steve Nash, who was a unique star player. Right. So this is a bit of a learning curve that guys need to go through. And our last star player was Steve Nash, and the front, none of the front office was there right. for that. So, I mean... Robert, Robert Sarver was there. Yeah, and James Jones played with him. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the other thing is, I think, es- was it Espo who said this, or was it Dave who said this on the solar panel, where, isn't this what James Jones was kind of brought in to be, to do? Like, that his job was to be that liaison? Dave said that. Okay, I knew it was one of them. I was listening to it in the background. I might have just work. guessed that, though, because I figure I have a 50-50 shot regardless. So, but anyway, no, continue. It, ends up, it was Tim who said it. No, it wasn't. <laughs> I was like, I don't think so. No. Um, go on, go on. Um, 
it, I'll be interested to see how it evolves. I mean, yeah, this was their first real opportunity to really get Booker involved in the situation. It's possible they may have held off a little bit just because there was contract negotiations going on, and you're like, okay, kind of need to keep these separate right now. But now, assuming assuming the, that ink hits paper over the next couple of days, he's 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 locked in. Mm-hmm. So he will be involved in those conversations, particularly, I guess, going into next year. Because I think is is there Team USA ball this summer? I don't know offhand. Because I know Booker's on that team now, mm-hmm. which is a, a first for the Suns since like the 06 team that sucked. Here in America, we don't remember that team existed. True, but <laughs> but I'm just saying, like even we the Suns haven't had a representative on Team USA since then. So he's going in. He's going. You've seen what's happened at through Team USA. That's how the Heatles was born. Mm-hmm. That's how I think that was part of the push to get Kevin Durant was the was that was the Warriors being on Team USA with Durant. Booker being in Team USA can be a great recruiting tool for next summer when a lot of these guys start getting becoming available. So from that standpoint, you know, you got to get on the right page with him. I mean, you know, sometimes you kind of got to look at him like, Ryan McDonough's a dork who doesn't know how to talk, talk to people. Right. You just kind of got to live he with it. He lacks social skills. He lacks of. social skills a little bit. I mean, I get it. It was your buddy. I get it. He's gone. I mean, if it ends up happening that, you know, at the end of the day, the Suns still pick him up for a two-way contract, sign him to a G League deal, so he's still connected. He can still be brought up. You know, keep him around, give him that opportunity to kind of really show that those injuries are a little bit behind him and he can really hold his own. I wouldn't hate that. I wouldn't hate bringing back either of those guys. It wasn't like they were a true scrub that was let go. Right. Well, and, you know, it brings up the concept that Gambo tweeted about today about how a lot of these NBA contracts have kind of weird little clauses in them, like Steve Nash getting a suite, Tyson Chandler getting courtside seats, that kind of stuff. Maybe Devin Booker's trying to negotiate a two-way contract for Tyler Eulis. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but, yeah, you know, the you bring up a good point in regard to the entire, can you really bring Devin Booker into this conversation? Because, well, I'm not going to say no NBA player would do it. Devin Booker doesn't seem like the type of guy. And let's even put aside the fact that this is his best friend. But if you're talking about a guy who's currently on the team, I'm hard-pressed to see seeing the Suns call up and be like, hey, are you cool if we release this guy? And him being like, yeah, yeah, fuck him. Get excuse me, but fuck him. Get rid of him. We don't. I don't care. <laughs> I like how we, you say excuse me and then proceed right, to use exactly. the word again. <laughs> uh, you know, pardon my French, but I'm going to say it. It doesn't make sense really when you have a guy who he's obviously again even putting aside the friendship as a teammate, he's invested in him over the past few years. So calling him up and saying this was happening, but we also have to pay attention to the fact that he wasn't upset about the release itself. It was about the, the communication. Uh, and you know, I, I'm still hard pressed to believe that there was absolutely zero communication. Uh, it, Cause this is a week long process, right? They pushed back the date to pick up Tyler Eulis's contract, which obviously indicated, and it was public everywhere that they were basically trying to see if they could find a trade partner to move him. So it was clear when they pushed that back to everybody in Phoenix, that he wasn't going to be back 
somehow, whether it right. was through a release or whether it was through a trade. So Booker obviously knew that that was happening. And I'm still kind of sitting there thinking there maybe was some initial conversation. And then when a trade didn't happen, it wasn't said to him. They didn't say, hey, Devin, no trade happened, so we're going to release him. But that was kind of the obvious result if there was not going to be a trade. Part, part of me wonders, I mean, when you're going into that rookie extension, you don't, the player doesn't have a ton of leverage. Mm-hmm. I mean, their leverage is the threat of, I'm just going to take, I'm, I'm not assigning this extension, I'm going to take my qualifying offer, and in two years, I'm gone. Or I'll make your life a living hell until you trade me. Right. There's not a lot of leverage there. I mean, they can leverage over some of these unique details, like you were saying about uniquenesses of the contract, things like that. But um, if you actually look at the timeline of some stuff that happened over the last couple of days, not the timeline, not but the timeline, because we're the timeline is done. It is now time to rise. Fair point. <laughs> but Woj reported the situation with Tyler Ulysses that they pushed the, the date back specifically to try to get a trade mm-hmm. because basically saying he is going to be gone in between then and the actual release Booker retweeted something. I think it was either from the Suns account about taking this to the next level or like some like mm-hmm. a fan. I can't remember the specifics of it, but he's, it clearly, he clearly wasn't affected. He was still looking at the Suns as this is his future. So part of me is just wondering is, was this a, just a tactic to kind of put some type of leverage to be like, to get the Suns to basically acquiesce to every demand right. and, during the negotiating and process? And I, 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 for one, I'm, I won't let go of this because I think that was the case that we're sitting here, Devin Booker's eligible for an extension, but there were rumors out there that maybe the Suns were going to try to push it off until next offseason for salary cap purposes. Right. We've talked about this. It's been all over the place. And obviously Booker's going to want that deal now. I mean, lock me up, give me my guaranteed contract for this amount of time right. so got, if something yeah, happens, I'm, yeah. I'm paid. Which exactly. It's, I'm not going to fault the guy for that. I would no, do the same no. thing. Get your money. So when he's sitting there and this kind of stuff is going on, you know what better way to nudge along the process to get the Suns to commit to moving forward with this extension this offseason by leaking out this information that Booker's unhappy and all of a sudden we have this offseason that's been going well so far. We draft DeAndre Ayton. We trade and get Mikhail Bridges. We signed Trevor Ariza. Suns fans are like, hell yeah, things are going great. And then all of a sudden, this report comes out that Devin Booker's unhappy. Suns Twitter went, in, went insane. The right. internet a- NBA, went insane. Everything NBA Twitter was like, well, that's the Suns. Right. So <laughs> you see that happen. That's obviously going to put external pressure on the Phoenix Suns front office because now you have all these fans who have been going through eight years of playoffless basketball suddenly seeing some light at the end of the tunnel only to see that their star player is suddenly pissed off the team. And how do you go and resolve that PR nightmare? You get him locked up for the next five years. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this report came out right after, you know, the, the free agency period opened. And then what, 24 hours later, a report comes out that the Suns are in all likelihood going to be signing him to an extension here. Exactly. So it very well could have been a, a leverage ploy by Team Booker, and if so, great because 
if this had any effect on whether the Suns signed him to an extension this offseason versus mm-hmm. next, then by doing this and getting the Suns to do it now, I think they did every single Phoenix Suns out, fan out there a favor by putting our minds at ease knowing that he's locked up. And, and we're saying this like it's done. We're assuming it's going to get done. And an- another point with regards to this is this: the Suns might have looked at the situation differently than they might look at with other players because Booker and, and Ulysses have the same agent. So they've been commuti- they probably have been in pretty constant communication with that with the agent, whether it's related to Euless, whether it's related to Booker's extension, they've been talking to him a ton. Mm-hmm. So he knows what's going on. So maybe they thought that they were communicating enough and appropriately via the agent that they didn't need to then go and repeat what they're telling the agent directly to Booker because they were making him aware just via his agent. And that was that's just a miscommunication on their part. And to be honest, to an extent, it's like that's kind of an acceptable level of miscommunication versus if they didn't just freeze if they, were just, if they just froze him out. But at the same time, if part of it is like, you know, player decisions that are regarding to players that are currently on the team, you are not a part of because of X, Y, and Z. They just need to like say, these are the boundaries of you being involved. I understand he was your buddy, but these are the boundaries of you being involved. Sure. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's going to be a moot point. Assuming that contract gets signed, because not a mood point, a moo point, a moo point. Excuse me, sorry, Joey Tribbiani. Um, <laughs> the because once the once the contract's signed, obviously Booker's locked up. Obviously, he's not so upset with the organization that he doesn't want to be here. He's not going to tweet out, "I don't want to be here," whether he's at a hair salon or not. But he's obviously already also gone and met with them. If he was so pissed off two days ago then he wouldn't meet with them today and discuss contract negotiations. Right. So I, I think I think it does play just into the grander scheme of things and perhaps trying to get his contract uh, assured that there would be that extension here this offseason. I mean, and the, and the other thing, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I mean... I think we're there, man. We're pretty close, but <laughs> this is my last point on the subject. Have any of the other top players from that draft signed extensions yet? I mean, Carl Anthony Towns. I haven't heard a word about Carl Anthony Towns' extension mm-hmm. or Przingis' extension. Those mm-hmm. are the two. Those are probably the two biggest names in, in the in the draft. Who who else was in there? I'm, I'm blanking. I think there's there's like one other guy who would like if you were to do a redraft. There's one other guy who might have been considered drafted before Booker, but or am I, or is Booker really the second or third best guy in that draft? But either way. Neither of those guys have even had word one about their extensions yet. And you're looking at, there are stories coming out about the Minnesota Timberwolves right now that Jimmy Butler doesn't want to re-sign with the Wolves because he can't stand Carl Anthony Towns. Mm -hmm. So we're not the only ones who are in a shitty situation here. It's just kind of, and I mean, you saw it happen two summers ago with Porzingis. Or was that last summer? Was it only last summer? I think it would have been last summer. With with Phil Jackson and whatnot, so I mean, it's not like he's in the most happy situation either. So it's that's what happens when you have a shitty team. The uh, they don't know how to manage their players well. I mean, hopefully the Suns are learning from their mistakes and growing out of it. I mean, there is an argument to be made that maybe McDonough was the right guy to tear down the Suns, and now we need somebody else to build them up. That 
you know that happens that happens with companies all the time you have you bring you have a a division or a a company that's kind of failing and you bring in a guy who knows how to like strip it down to strip it down for parts and then re and then it's get rid of all the crap and then you bring in somebody else who knows how to build it up it happens all the time so that could be that may be where kind of where we're at with the sons that the what McDonough was brought in to do is he's not the other he's not the other side of it kind of like Sam Hinkie I feel like you just took like a huge leap from <laughs> the the communication issue to maybe Ryan McDonough's just on his way out the door. <laughs> well, but, that, but I mean, that's where I think that's where everybody was leaping to is like, oh my god, he's screwing up. We got to get rid of this guy. Uh, not everybody. Not you. Not me. In, I, I'm in McD. I trust, man. I'm I'm just saying because I've seen it. My dad was one of those guys. Like my dad dealt with that. His which human- one? Which one was he? He was the guy who was brought in to turn a place around. I, I figured you would say that. I just wanted to make sure that was clear for the record so everyone out there knows that your your dad's not the rip it apart guy and then get kicked out the door. <laughs> um, and I'm looking, and there was really nobody else all that no, notable from that draft. I mean, there were some other good players besides Porzingis, Towns, and uh, Booker, but nobody that I think is at the level of you would expect there to be chatter about an extension for them. So anyway, okay, so we'll move on. That dead horse is more dead than it was after it was first dead. That makes sense? Sure. So let's talk about one last thing here. And that is, what are the Suns going to do at point guard? Because when McDonough had initially done the press conference, I think it was what after the draft and he started talking about what they were going to be doing with free agency. He had identified finding a stretch for which they Arguably sort have. of found in Trevor Ariza. They found somebody that can serve as a stretch for, but then he also brought up an upgrade at point guard. And that obviously has not happened yet. The free agent market is drying up, and on top of that, the Suns don't exactly have a whole bunch of money to throw at a free agent right now. So it leads to the question of what will happen with the point guard position. Are we going to walk into this season with Brandon Knight still on the Suns? Don't forget. I don't. Brandon Knight and Elia Kobo. We may see him in Vegas. I've heard heard he's uh, out there. I heard he's been been practicing with the Summer Suns. Yeah, which is encouraging. And it's actually been looking pretty good. It's really encouraging that he's out there doing that because obviously one thing that seemed to be an issue with Brandon Knight was how is he taking his role in the team? How is he embracing being part of the franchise? And there are always questions about that. But if you have a guy who's practicing with the Summer League team who, for all intents and purposes, doesn't necessarily need to be practicing with the Summer League team. And when I say that, I mean it's not like he's a third or fourth year guy. He's been around for a bit. I think that's definitely encouraging and certainly indicative of him buying into what the Suns are and wanting to show that he has a commitment to this team. So we talked about it a couple pods ago. If Brandon Knight comes back to be anywhere near the Brandon Knight of Milwaukee. That we drafted. Millier, traded for. Milwaukee Brandon Knight. Then I think that's going to be outstanding. And it's possible that we walk into the season with those two guys as our first and second string point guards. I don't think it'll necessarily happen. But again, it begs the question, what is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, there's. I'm guessing just because of the Suns' limited uh, cap space at this point. I mean, they do have the room exception, which is four and a half million dollars or so. 
which they could probably sign, particularly in this depressed market, they could probably sign somebody who uh, could be effective. Granted, I think a lot of the guys that we'd be interested in are restricted free agents. So if you, and if you're getting essentially that cheap on one of those contracts, that's small enough that their current team will probably batch. Like I can't see if the Suns throw, get Marcus Smart to sign the room, ex- the room exception, that the Celtics aren't going to match that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I just can't see that. That's like like. If they luck into getting Marcus Smart on a four and a half million dollar deal, they're gonna jump at that. I mean, I know they have a ton of point guards themselves, but that's another. I mean, he's he's a piece I, of their puzzle. He's a piece if of their puzzle. They can keep him around at a reasonable price. Why wouldn't they? Right, but I mean, you're you're also looking at they've also got Terry Rozier. They got Kyrie Irving coming back. They're really strong in that point guard position. They could they could be in a position to move one of those guys. I mean, maybe they do a sign and trade. Are you suggesting the Suns offer up something for Kyrie Irving? No, he's going to be a free agent next year. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. I am kidding. And then he may voluntarily come to the Suns after go. having spurned us. So, did he really spurn us? Yeah, he, he, he made it exponentially clear that he would not resign with the Suns if they traded for him. Sure, but I mean, like, it wasn't like an overt spurn where it was, like, come and visit and then not want to come, like a free agent would. But at yeah. any rate. Neither here nor there. So okay, where where do you what do you think is going to happen with with this? I mean, do you have any idea, any thoughts, any suppositions as to what the Suns might do? Because if the if the and let's say the free agent market's drying up, you m- mentioned Marcus Smart already. Well, let's talk about trades. Possibly uh, targeting somebody who is on a team that might be looking to move a point guard or is overloaded at point guard and might have some availability. Anybody out there jump out at you? The Clippers have kind of jumped out at me a little bit. I know that both their draft picks this year were guards, so they're very heavily loaded at guard. They just re-signed Avery Bradley. They, um, but they also have um, they've got Patrick Beverly, who they uh, got in the. Uh, how did they get Patrick Beverly? The, the Chris Paul trade. Yeah, came over in the Chris Paul trade, and they've also got um, Milos Teodosic, um, who. Both both players are on one year deals about right about the five six million dollar range. Um, both those guys could be moved this year because they ha- they have other players on more long term deals that they want to get time. They're in a re- they're really in a rebuilding mode, so I could see one of those players be- being moved. Both of those players, if you could mash those two players together, I think he'd be awesome because Milos is very much an offensive player. He can run run a show. He's a very skilled passing point guard, which is something the Suns could really use, mm-hmm. is somebody who could distribute the ball. That's probably one of the things we've lacked recently in our point guards is that they're really distributors. I mean, Brandon Knight, Eric Bledsoe, both very similar players, like to have the ball in their hands, but they're definitely score first, and they don't have the greatest vision in the world. Teodosic has great vision. He, and he's a pretty good shooter too, so from that standpoint, he's a good offensive player and would fit in well with the Suns. He's a Sivan defense. He he is as bad, if not worse, than Booker. Ooh. So that's not really going to help this, right. that situation. So you flip it to the other player that they got available, Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly, he's a great defensive player. He's 
he's and he's not like Tony Allen who was great and is past his prime, right. but is still living off reputation. He still has skills, and so you could bring him in. He's got that vet presence. He's played on winning teams back in Houston and whatnot. He he would fit well next to Booker because he's not ball dominant, but unlike Marcus Smart, he can hit a shot. He's not a complete liability on offense. He can hit a shot. He knows how to initiate an offense. So if you need him to bring the ball up, if you need him to initiate, you know, like I said, initiate the offense, he can do that. He's he's not a one-sided player. Um, so those two guys are an option. I mean, I love Terry Rozier. I think he did. He think he showed a lot in the in the playoffs and at the end of the season. And he's on the timeline. Mm-hmm. So from that standpoint, I think I think he'd work out really well. I'm still high on Spencer Dinwiddie. I know I've seen uh, Tyus Jones' name pop up a little bit on Twitter recently, um, being that the Timberwolves are kind of in a similar situation. They've got Jeff Teague, who's clearly entrenched as the starting point guard. And they just re-signed Derrick Rose. Mm-hmm. So Tyus Jones is already automatically kind of pretty much pushed down to third point guard. So that's another option. But again, I don't know if he's a starter. I like that's a risk you're he's taking. Incredibly unproven. And Whereas Dinwiddie and Rozier have at least had starting more. opportunities shown more in that situation. And and also from Minnesota's perspective, if I'm not mistaken, isn't the Rose deal a one year also? Yes. So I mean they might say we got Rose. Maybe they think that that he needs a little more development. So if he's going to be the third behind Rose, then then so be it. Um, so you know who knows there. But anyway, go on. Um, there's always Kemba Walker's name has been floated out for a while, but one name I do want to bring up that we had, had not talked about mm-hmm. previously. I'm intrigued. Damian Lillard. Right. And that was one that I had thought about that we didn't speak about, but when I was kind of prepping a little bit, I, I had looked at him. And there's... There's both, a very cryptic tweet. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I, I still don't under... It, it was a peace sign and a watch, right? Time's up, peace is out, peace out. That's kind of what I was thinking, but like... I think that's how a lot... Everybody really, who's on every other team in the NBA was reading that as... He also could have gone shopping and bought a couple watches, and he was just right. excited about it. Who knows? <laughs> right. But, you know, okay, let me let me just comment really quick on both Walker and, and Lillard. When Kemba Walker's name was floated around for the Suns around the trade deadline, you may recall, and people listening might, might recall, that I was adamantly against him. And, as, as was I. And I will admit that I'm I'm actually warming to the idea now. And the reason being that obviously, well, A, we know what we ended up getting in the draft and through free agency. So when we're sitting there at the trade deadline, obviously in the running for a number one draft pick, but not knowing how the lottery balls are going to fall, we could have ended up falling back in the draft and getting into a position where we're taking somebody who's going to be uh, a point guard or somebody who's going to be a ball handler. That obviously did not happen. And, and on top of that, one of the things I had against it before was we have a guy who we would trade for that would ultimately have one year after this last season left on his contract, then he's unrestricted. So that wasn't very appealing because why are you going to give up pieces to get a guy who might not resign? Right, and, that, and we were also at a point where we're like, okay, we're ready to tank. Right. Bringing in... Is not, it was only going to make us better. 
now I look at it from the perspective of, again, we obviously did not get a point guard in the draft. We also added another wing in Mikhail Bridges. So while Ariza can play at the four, with his primary position still being the three, we do have a glut at that. I won't call it a glut. I'll call it, we have, we have a... Embarrassment of riches? Yes, an embarrassment (laughs) of riches at the wing. And the first guy that pops into my head that would be expendable from that would be TJ Warren, which we discussed about in our last pod. Their salaries are somewhat close. And now with the Suns signing Booker to this extension, assuming it happens, and with the Suns, uh, you know, using up this year's cap space to only have the $15 million contract of Trevor Ariza, and we're looking at, from what I've seen online at least, a max amount that we could be under the cap next season of $23 million. Now, if you move Warren his contract and bring in Kemba, A, you get a guy who's an all-star, who you can see if he buys into the franchise, into the organization, into the future, and perhaps resigns. But worst case scenario, you get him for a year. He doesn't want to resign. Then you free up $12 million in your cap. And all of a sudden, instead of 23, and you know, I'm just using simple math. Maybe there are other intricacies that I'm missing. But using simple math, you go from 23 to 35 million under the cap next offseason. And suddenly, you're, you're in that you're range where you tier. can get a top tier guy. Exactly. So uh, dollars and cents wise, it could make sense even if it doesn't work out long term. And short term, you get a guy who is going to you know be a presumably a steady force at point guard potentially well not in the west to be an all-star but still play to an all-star caliber caliber level if he was in the east still and and on top of that again you kind of solve what is a perceived issue with the number of wings that we currently have on the roster right i guess i mean i guess the question is how much would you be willing beyond because obviously warren would probably have to be the centerpiece from a, a financial standpoint how much else would you be willing to put into that trade to get a Kemba Walker? I mean, because, I mean, he is an all-star, so they're, they're you know, you're paying for skill. But again, I mean, you know, there's the other side of this. He only has one year left. Mm-hmm. But in the fact that you want to maximize that, that's leverage for the other side. It's like, oh, you only want him because he only has one year left. Mm-hmm. So how much are we willing to give up? Are we willing to give up? Warren and Chris, Warren and a pick, Warren and Chris and a pick. I wouldn't go that far. The last one would not go that far. I would give up. I would give up Warren and a pick. Warren and Mo- I, the I, Milwaukee I, pick. I would say that. Remind me the Milwaukee pick. It is. What's the restriction? This upcoming I can't remember. Year? Uh, it has. It's. It's. I want to say top ten. It might be top, top ten. 10. But they're is, expected it this, to, is it this upcoming year? It's next year. Yeah. I would, and yeah, those, I would. I would. I mean, I would give them that pick because I think while the Suns are going to improve, our own pick is probably still going to be better than that. If it's not, then I'll be ecstatic. I don't give a shit. Being, what we give being up. the shit show that the Eastern Conference has become, if Milwaukee somehow doesn't make the playoffs, right? Something went really right. bad for them, right? Because I mean. Sure. There's nothing. Right. There. Exactly. So I, you know, I'd be willing to give up that pick. I, I, and if it wasn't that pick, I would, I would start and I would say we'll give you our first round pick, th- two years out. No, okay. three years out. 
I'd start three years out. Okay. And or if they want to come down you to two even, years out. You can out, even say, I'll give, I'll give it next year, but it's right, lottery protected. protected. Right, exactly. And then it's top ten protected. Right. And then yeah, it's ex- whatever protected. Sure, I, I'd be willing to do that. And Because, frankly, I think if, if things go as we hope they go, as we expect them to go, hopefully in two years, you know, our draft pick isn't going to be something that we're going to be thinking, oh my God, we missed out. How the hell did we, we give away? Exactly. And, and if it is then you know what? We've got bigger problems on our hands as Suns fans. Right. That Yes, that, that makes sense. Um, I know we hadn't really talked about this going into the um, pod in our rundown, mm-hmm. but just it popped in my mind when we were talking about it and we started talking about that room exception. If we, if we have that and it's just kind of sitting out there, is there anybody, any position, any free agent that you're looking at that's out there that you're like, you know what? I wouldn't hate having him on the on the Suns at a reasonable price that you'd be willing to throw that four and a half million dollars at. Alan Williams. I besides <laughs> yeah, split it between Alan Williams and Tyler. You listen, bring the two of them. Yeah, back. hey, look at that. Everybody wins. <laughs> Everybody wins. I think we just solved all the Suns' problems. You're welcome, Ryan McDonough. You're welcome. Um, nobody pops into my head immediately. I mean, because because ultimately, I mean, you're asking me. Can I think of an end of the bench kind of guy that the Suns are going to be able to get with that room exception? Because while you brought Marcus Smart and maybe offer him, I think I think you're absolutely right that if we were to try to do that, then there's no reason for the Boston not to keep him. And I think that would be pretty much par for the course for any type of guy who is going to be able to really provide a significant level of productivity to a team. I mean, like just another name that. Because this guy might actually be attainable because I don't think his current team really wants to bring him back. Jabari Parker. Uh, I mean, if we, yeah, if we can get Jabari Parker for four and a half million bucks, sure. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if like, if it dries up that much that he's like, I just got to take something and just to (laughs) take something because nobody else is offering me anything. I mean, just, I wouldn't hate that. It, it makes the team that much more crowded, but yeah, I'm, well, uh, he's a number two. He's a former number two right, pick. That's who's not who's who's not Anthony Bennett. Yeah, part part of me kind of sits here and goes, "Well, we've got Bender and Chris that we're still hoping develop." Mm-hmm. But I think we can all agree that sitting here right now, Jabari Parker is better than those two. Right. So if you can say that you're going to get four and a half million him for four and a half million bucks, why not? But I, I don't think there's any world where that actually happens. And I'm, I'm saying that just that's what my gut tells me. I have nothing right. to back I that mean, up. I mean, in, in any normal year, I could, I could definitely see that. But when you have a year where Demarcus Cousins took five million dollars to go to the Warriors, I not that the Suns by any means are the Warriors, but. I mean, you're looking at a very like there's not a lot of cash out there, and there are there are more players than there are than there is cash, and like some guys are just gonna have to take some steep discounts, and maybe like Parker takes like a a two and one, a one and one kind of situation, and that one and one could be a team option for all we know, mm-hmm. and just so he he gets an opportunity to like he gets some money. And then can get back out there when it's, when, you know, there, there's free, there's money available in free agency, and he's kind of actually proven 
that, you know, he can stay on the court and he's got legitimate skills. I mean, it, at that cheap of a contract, I think I, it couldn't hurt, especially if we then start thinking about, like, moving a Chris as part of, like, a trade for a, a point guard. Sure. Yeah, no, I mean, like I said, if it if it gave rise, if that opportunity came up, then sure, but I, I don't see it, it happening. And I just scrolled through. I, I just Googled top available NBA free agents because nobody was popping in my head. Found a list that some website created saying the top 25 still available and none of them are very appealing to me. Right. Luke now with the Suns, like... For four and a half million bucks, I'd, ra- I'd rather get to watch Alan Williams celebrate yeah. on the bench. Nurkic is still available. Parker's still available. Um, Capella's still available, but I think that's just a matter of time. Alex Len, let me bring him back. <laughs> Actually, that would be funny. Bring back <laughs> Williams, Len, and Ulysses. Just oh fit them all into the room God. exception. Just break it up. And then just send them all the D League. I mean, I do <laughs> kind of feel bad for some of those guys that are on that low end like that. I mean, they're just gonna. Alex Len's probably gonna sign a vet mid contract, min contract somewhere. I'm He's not, probably gonna be on the Lakers. I'm not gonna feel bad for him. Where's Dwight Howard? <laughs> oh no, Dwight Howard did just, just sign with the Wizards. Which oh wow, that's a that's a also weird. There have been a lot of weird signings. I mean, most of them have, have happened in L.A. <laughs> yeah. I, I still can't get over the fact that L.A. has signed three guys in Stevenson, uh, McGee, and uh, Rondo. Yeah, Rondo, who have all had some type of beef, if you will, with LeBron at some point in the past. And none of them can shoot. I mean, literally, they signed Rondo, who is basically Lonzo Ball 1.0. Right. And But they already have Lonzo Ball. They have, they have the original... Well, at least and they, the remix. At least they haven't uh, <laughs> picked up Leangelo yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they did not bring him to summer league. Maybe because he, he already maybe maybe because he already has like a hush hush agreement for a guaranteed contract. Or like we won't waste your talents over there, Leangelo. <laughs> or it's or it's more of a situation of they had a hush hush agreement for LeBron, and they're like, Alonzo's not going to be around for that long, so right. we're not going to bring in Leangelo. I, yeah, the LA is just confusing the hell out of me. It, it, it's it's hilarious though because we've been hearing Paul George and LeBron coming to LA together. Then Paul George immediately resigns with Oklahoma City. Uh, the Spurs thus far aren't budging on sending Kawhi over to LA, and now LeBron is surrounded by this motley crew of miscreants that I wouldn't want on the Suns last year when and they college were freshmen horrible yeah exactly it just <laughs> i mean know. i remember when i we were college freshmen i as i don't you couldn't I, play in the nba then no what you're saying i agree 33 year olds did not want to hang around us <laughs> and if they did it was weird so yeah I, I don't get it but whatever it's la screw them hopefully it just you know implodes and you know lebron never wins another ring. That's just my own personal feeling about LeBron too. So I, for me personally, having LeBron, who I really don't like is, is if you knew Part that, did you know that? No, I didn't. Ha- having, this, is, this is, this is news to me. This is a revelation <laughs> that has completely changed how I think about you in every facet of your life. Oh, that's deep. Having him go to LA team that I despise more than, well, I won't say more than any other team because the Spurs are probably above them. But having him go to a team that I despise the second most in the NBA, it could not be better for me because I get to just hate on both of them you know, at one time and I can focus collectively 
all of that hatred in one direction. It's fantastic. So at any rate, I think we've just about said it all. I think we've run out of time here for this particular episode. Unless, Paul, you have anything else to add, why don't you add one more little reminder about the gathering, the sun's gathering up in Las Vegas this Friday. Yes, th- thank you for uh, queuing that up, Justin. Um, yes, just a reminder, uh, Friday night, 9 o'clock at The Still, which is like a sports bar-ish place, looks really cool, in the Mirage Casino um, on the Strip after after the Suns play the Mavericks. The Mavericks. And Doncic might play. He might play. The, he, he, I think he kind of wants to, but... He said that it, it's the it's the Mavericks' decision, that, and they think they want him to rest. But oh, um, I hope he plays. I, I think it'd be fun because we unless unless he plays and went, goes for like thirty and ten and eight, and then DeAndre Ayton sucks, then I'm going to be really upset. Because well, I mean, that's it, not going to happen. We'll get to see a nice little um, one two three punch, or essentially one two three punch there. Of DeAndre Ayton's going to play. Uh, Doncic on Friday night, and we're going to see him play Bagley on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So the, these are the guys who were in the mix, and we get to kind of see them all, how how they all shape up against each other, which at least against, against our guy. Right. So I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, yeah, the still, 9 o'clock. If you're, if you're in Vegas, please swing by, have a cocktail, have a beer. There's some dispensaries nearby if that's your thing. But I really... I think we really want to have a good turnout. Get some, get all of us who are part of Suns Twitter to get to actually meet each other face to face and really kind of turn these online friendships into like something, something more. That was weird. Like, that was so <laughs> weird. I'm gonna stop letting you do stuff like this, man. That I'm was not a so good promo weird. guy. Oh my goodness. Well, now nobody's coming. I might not go. <laughs> I think I'm staying at the hotel. I'm going to just go back to the hotel room that night. I'm not coming. Uh, no, come. Paul's not as weird as he sounded right there. Yes, I am. One last <laughs> thing. Okay, one last thing. Quick. Predict DeAndre Ayton's line from the first game. 17, 9, and 3. I'm going to say 22, 10, and 4. Boom. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So we'll wrap it up. As always, uh, thank you very much for listening. You can catch us on Twitter. I'm so says at so says Jay and Paul at Dervish of World. And you can follow or interact with minimally though the pod itself at Fan the Flames NBA. Yep. Again, don't thank you. To check out Brightside. Don't forget. Oh, of course, yeah. Check out Brightside. You don't even say that. Uh, so at any rate, thank you very much again for listening, folks. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. All right, you alien assholes. In the words of my generation, up yours! Yeah.